0: Good evening. Uh, welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Um, praise Jesus. Glad to have you here in the middle of the Chiefs game. playoff game. We're winning, but it's, it's close. It's closer than you think. Um, yeah. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about how do we reconcile relationships. We're in the middle of this Christian personal relationship course, and, uh, and so it's all about how do we relate to one another uh, as, as Christians, and, and part of the deal is tonight uh, we're going to talk about there's conflict in relationships even among Christians, and so how do we, how do we resolve those uh, conflicts? Um, uh, we'll talk about, uh, about there being conflict, what we do when we're in the wrong, and what we do when the other person's in the wrong, and, and kind of how do we, we go about that. But Father Anthony is with us. I also want to recognize Deacon Scott McKellar. Deacon's here with us. He's a deacon in the Anglican Ordinariate, which is like a diocese for Anglicans who have come back to the Catholic Church, of which Scott is one of them. And so, uh, deacon, really good to have you here with us tonight. And we also have Father Anthony Ouellette, a diocesan priest in Augustinian garb. He is uh, discerning with the Augustinians. And um, living with the Augustinians and living an Augustinian life. Uh, he's also the pastor at Holy Name, which is right down on Southwest Boulevard. Holy Name of Jesus. Uh, Holy Name of We're Jesus. switching it. Yes. In fact, the feast day, your feast day was just, just this yeah, week. Really yeah. Right. But uh, to start with, why don't, I, I was going to invite Father Anthony to sort of lead us in a prayer. And then just to share a little bit of his testimony in terms of the one thing conference that he participated Sweet. in. So do you want to lead sure. us in prayer? Sure. Sure.
1: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we cry out to you, brothers and sisters, in the sonship of your Son. Thanks, we thank you for the peace that surrounds this place. We thank you for being able to gather with family and friends um, to, to enter in. Uh, to receive, uh, to grow, and to be strengthened by uh, the gift of your spirit that is here in our midst. Um, Heavenly Father, stir up within us that gift of your Holy Spirit um, that we might experience a confidence not in ourselves, but in your faithfulness and in your giftedness as you pour that out into our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here. Bless us and bless our time together. May we be drawn closer to your most precious heart, Mm -hmm. your fatherly heart for us. We ask this all in the holy name of Jesus, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Um, I find it fascinating what the topic is tonight, and I'm sure it's discussed more about like dealing dealing with the relations of each other. But um, being able to attend the One Thing event, um, it's my second time. Uh, For those who do not know, the One Thing event is put on by the International House of Prayer every year, the last four days of the year. Um, Just spending those last four days in prayer, uh, having speakers come, times of uh, just praise and worship, uh, hearing great talks. and fellowship. And uh, so I went last year for the first time, received a lot of graces, uh, went again this year. I was introduced to the whole thing of even going to this by um, Keith Major, who for years he and his wife Ivona were a part of IHOP. He reverted back to the Catholic Church and um, has been trying to network and connect Catholics who are coming to this event to know that there are other Catholics that are there and to get us networked with each other. Um, There's in the afternoon an opportunity for a breakout session and different things and topics that they have in presentations. And so Keith and his wife have been trying to create breakout sessions for the Catholics to come together. Um, The first breakout session we had uh, for this year, um, it was Lou Engel who came and spoke and literally the whole room was full. There was standing room only. There was like 260 some people that showed up was a bunch of university students from Ohio, um, there was a group from California, Texas, um, people from New York, that, they were just from all over that had come, um, and it was it was the biggest gathering we have had in three years of doing this Catholic ecumenical track. It's called the Catholic ecumenical track because they can't advertise it as a Catholic track because everybody would say, well, what about the Lutherans, or what about what about the Anglicans or what about the Presbyterians or what about, we, we won't want to have our own track. And so they, they just advertise it as the ecumenical track and yet all the Catholics are like, well, it's the Catholic track. So um, it's a little interesting in the language um, but um, it, really is, um, it really is beautiful. I think um, there's some personal things I could say, uh, just graces that I've received. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. But what's really on my heart, um, what I've experienced from people like Lou Engle, uh, Mike Vickle, uh, who's leading the IHOP community, um, Alan Hood, who was a part of that, and he's, he's there, gave a presentation, um, Francis Chen, who presented, um, Todd White, who presented, I can't believe I'm remembering these names, I'm terrible at names, but what, what has touched me so profoundly by hearing these men share and speak over these last two years is there's this humility that is there um, where you see that they have been trying faith, they've been trying to faithfully respond to the Holy Spirit and work within them. and it has brought them to a place of just this beautiful, profound humility. and, and I was struck by it because you know as Catholics we got to be careful because, man, we could fill this whole room with, with wall-to-wall books of all of the theology of our church, of the greatest scholars of the last 2,000 years. We fill this whole room with all of the, the, the mystery, trying to articulate into human words the mysteries of God's man, we, we That's ours. That's our inheritance, and we have that. And I asked ourselves the question, I said, when have we had the opportunity to be humbled? And because the thing about it is that the devil knows that Jesus Christ is Lord of the eternal Father. He knows that, and yet he doesn't believe and doesn't bend the knee. Um, You know, so I say that so that we make sure that it's not just a heady knowledge that keeps us in our pride, but that by the working of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit wants to humble us, let the Holy Spirit humble you Because what I've seen in these these people that I've met and encountered through this community is that they are truly humbled people who are really trying to just follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And when it leads them into relationship with Catholics, they don't throw up their hands and go, what the heck is going on, I'm out of here. This can't be from God, I'm out of here. They are actually entering in and humbly entering in to fellowship. And so there's just some really beautiful things that are happening. Um, there was a Kairos event that happened in October in which leadership from all of the United States from different denominations, spirit filled churches and things came together and it was very clear, they said you know we are going to disagree doctrinally about things the, the language to use, the vocabulary to use until Jesus comes back, we know that but our fellowship in the Holy Spirit is real and to see the Holy Spirit having, having you know one guy who was a Pentecostal ministers like the Holy Spirit fell on Catholics, could not believe it. You know, and he was he was talking about the early sixties. He was talking about sixty eight and sixty nine and in Notre Dame and he was like, I was there. And he says, And they were singing our songs. He said, No one gave her permission to sing our songs, you know. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful because, you know, God put it in his heart. He said, I he shares the story and he, he said, I was in the the basketball stadium and it was filled with people and they're all singing and praising God, he said, I had to leave. I went into the bathroom and I started to weep and to cry. He said, because never in my life did I imagine that the Holy Spirit could ever fall upon Catholics. And, and he said, and it was just, he was just struck to the heart that God's saying, I am doing this. This is true, this is real, and I'm drawing the body of my son back together. So it doesn't mean, and I'm telling you from my personal experience, I'm um, the priest of the JP2 generation. I love John Paul II. I loved him from the first moment I ever heard him. I loved John Paul because there was so much doubt and fear in the world when I was growing up and to hear him. And so I am a priest of that JP2 generation who just desires to be faithfully Catholic, faithfully Roman Catholic. This is what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be. But as... I've begun to work in this way in the last three or four years in encountering in these ecumenical circles of people who are desiring John 17 of, the, of the, the body of Christ being made one again and being drawn together. I can see how I can be faithfully Catholic and yet be a brother to my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just so beautiful, and I am so touched that this is in my time, that this has happened. And I see a lot of barriers that have just begun to melt away. And it's beautiful is that what I saw in those young Catholics that were there at the One Thing event, and what I saw in all of those other young people that were there was that they're tired of all of the categories and the terminology that divides. They really just want fellowship with each other. And they're willing to set aside these old hurts and these old things just to, to possess that and to grow in humility towards that. Um, I had, I was, I was sharing with Matt that I had three young men in their 20s, non-Catholics, I, presumably so, who just encountered me during the one thing event, dressed like this, you know. It's kind of intimidating to people walking around dressed like a monk at this big huge ecumenical thing you know, people kind of usually cut a wide berth around me when I walk. But, but he really is a Star Wars fan. Look, did you see what he's wearing? Look at what he's wearing. It's so cool, you know? Um, but I literally had a, I literally had three young men in their 20s come to me and say, and just begin to like, can I hug you? And I'm like, look at him, I'm like, uh. And they're like, can I hug you? I just see, I just, can I, and, and then, embrace me and just start praying to the Father, thanking God for me. And the, you know, whatever they were seeing, this anointing, the the, the love of the Father that was resting on me, and they were just drawn to actually embrace a Catholic priest walking around in a habit in front of their friends who just, they just were overwhelmed by this. So if a Catholic priest can be hugged by 20-year-old men at an ecumenical charismatic event (laughs) something incredible is happening and it's in our time this is our this is going to be our thing that we look back and say this happened in my lifetime this this softening this this work so um great things of encouragement that i would offer you and there's there's a word that we can share later on maybe sometime but just just great encouragement for where we are in the church and um, something that God's doing and don't don't fear that you have to stop being who you are faithfully um, to to embrace your brothers and sisters that's not been my experience and um, I think we can I can, we can receive a lot of uh, an invitation that we don't have to have so many defenses up um, that a lot of they've been disarming to me by their friendship and just their desire for fellowship. So I share that with you. My hope is that next year, like I'm going to start now uh, to write a letter to um, Bishop Johnston and to Archbishop Nauman and just kind of give a little witness, like I did here, of the graces I received from the One Thing event and encourage them now. So coming towards next year, advertise it to get people on board. The last thing was awesome. We almost didn't do the, the ecumenical track this year because Keith and ivona went into debt in order to put it on. It's $25,000 a year to get cameras and speakers and to bring people in and to really do it nice. This year, we're like, I said, I don't want you putting any money into this. Like, we'll do it, but we're just going to gather together. So it was just like, you know, okay, talk into the microphone over here. You know, we're going to record it over here and this and that. And some guy walked up to the door, who wasn't going to our track, who ran into Keith, and he said, so this is the ecumenical track, huh? He's like, yeah. He goes, how much would it take to do it right? And Keith looked at him and goes, $25,000. Because he knew. Because for two years, he did it right. And this year, we didn't. And the guy goes, all right, I'll cover it for next year. Here's my information. So he's from San Diego, some guy who wasn't even part of our thing. It's giving him $25,000 to do the Catholic ecumenical track right for next year. So I just say, put it on your calendars. I don't know what's going on, but the last four days of the year, I already got it marked on my calendar, um, last four days of the year, just right across the downtown. And it would be really awesome if people are like connected in, like, I don't have any place to stay, I'm a poor college student, but I want to be there. And just say, we got people, we got houses, we got rooms, we got beds, we got couches for you. I know people. We're going to get you settled in. We're going to get you supported during this, and we can do this together. I really, I have no idea what God's going to do with this, but it's there's a lot of momentum, and it's really great. So I'll well, stop talking now.
0: Why don't we Well, just for I think the spirit of whatever the Lord's doing here, yeah. that we just whatever that is, we want it right. Yes. And yes. so you want to kind of, why don't we just stand up and just ask right. and say?
2: We're More, here, Lord. And we're available. More. Use us. Release your love, Holy Spirit. Come. Use us, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Father, come. Teach us. Teach us to be humble, Jesus. Teach us to receive. Teach us how to love. We speak against any obstacles, yeah. any barriers
1: or walls, Yeah. Uh, doors that are shut. Yeah. We speak yeah. against them, Lord. Jesus. We ask you to tear the walls, yeah. to open doors, yeah. to prepare hearts, Jesus. to put people in the places for the time Jesus. and the conversations oh, yes. in these divine encounters. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank
2: you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Praise you, Lord. Speak, Father. Speak, Father. Come, Lord. If anyone has any
0: intercessions like on their heart yeah. for this right now, just speak them loudly so we can yeah. all pray into
2: them. Yeah, God, I pray for openness in all the leaders, um, especially uh, for Archbishop Nauman and Bishop Johnston. Yes. I pray for an anointing on Father Anthony's uh, witness as he shares his heart with them. I pray, God, that they can be open to what you are doing with Jesus. Open their hearts. Holy Spirit, come and open their hearts. Bring um, unity, Bring unity, Jesus. Bring unity. Shiarapati, shiarapum, maratisa. Jesus, come, Lord. Jesus, glory to you, Jesus. Yep. Yep. Yes. Bring your truth, Lord. Bring your truth, Jesus. we
1: we raise up uh, Heavenly Father we ask you to raise up uh, intercessors we ask you to raise up people who are willing to fast for this that that they would fast desiring that the church that we would bear witness unified uh, that we would bear witness so that the world might know that Jesus has been sent by you, yes. Heavenly Father, yes. Father so and, and him that, that Jesus himself. is Lord. Jesus. Yeah. Um, we ask you, Lord, that you would you mm-hmm. inspire mm-hmm. and that you would bring uh, conviction to the hearts of those who, who know that they are called to fast for this intercession, for this intention. Lord, we ask you to to raise them up.
0: Yes, yes Lord. Lord, I pray especially that you raise up young Catholics in Kansas City to this, with this heart, intercessors, Prayers, uh, fasters for this week. Come, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm.
2: Come, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you'd give us hearts that are willing to be generous and willing to sacrifice for the way of life that we have together in community that includes being uh, an ecumenical community. We we pray for uh, just a generosity of our own hearts to live this way of life here as you have granted us. I mm-hmm. was just reading Isaiah 60 today, just thinking of the epiphany, um, I just want to just simply read it as just like a prophecy just towards the bride, his church, um, so I think Isaiah is speaking it to his, uh, the bride of Christ. Um, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall walk by your light, and kings the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried in the arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you the wealth of the nation shall come to you. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, come and purify your bride. Let the the light of your bride shine, Jesus. For people to come and see your beauty. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.
0: Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would be on this in each of our hearts, Lord, that you would and here, uh, mm-hmm. of, of a flame here, of ecumenism, of love, of unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, begin it now in our own hearts, yeah. in relationships Come that forth. we have with others, in little ways that Restore we can, the unity. That we can be, um, you know, brotherly and sisterly and loving. Come, um, Jesus, help us to not be afraid, Lord. Yeah, to be truly who we are, mm-hmm. and not to be afraid to encounter the other. Yeah. We ask this in Jesus. Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Thanks, Father. All right. (coughs) Okay, I'm just going to spend a few minutes here. (laughs) Reconciling relationships, that's appropriate, right? So... We have big church relationships that need to be reconciled. 500 years has been long enough, I think. Um, So three things here, and I'll just go quickly, and then maybe we could just discuss in little small groups how we've approached reconciling (coughs) relationships or not approached it. Um, The First is the reality of the failure in our relationships. Second is, what should I do when I hurt somebody? And lastly, what should I do when someone hurts me? Um, and then we'll have a little discussion on things you've found helpful in reconciling relationships and things that you've found not helpful. <laughs> what not? I'm good at the what not. All right. So, um, there's a reality in our situation, right, that we that we live in a world of broken relationships. We come from families with broken relationships. Uh, uh, Maybe some of you come from really good situations, uh, but I think for many of us, we come from situations that aren't always perfect. Even if we come from a good situation, it's certainly not perfect. And a lot of us come from broken situations in this world. Um, And we're going to encounter uh, conflict in our relationships with one another. Uh, we're going to encounter wrongdoing uh, both by ourselves and by others, even among those we love the most. And unfortunately this conflict is just a normal part of our our life. Uh, We don't live in a conflict-free world, we don't live in conflict-free marriages, we don't live in conflict-free relationships with one another. People are going to hurt you, they're going to hurt me, And we're going to hurt other people. That's just, it's going to happen. Um, And we all know that certain, um, that wrongdoing that's left unresolved can bear a lot of bad fruit. I mean, just think about uh, the, the years and years just of this, of the disunity between the churches and the lack of example that is to the world. Um. And I think there's a thinking sometimes that time alone will bring healing. But I know people that it's been 10, 20, 30 years in the past and they're still, they're still dragging this unresolved conflict with them. And we want to learn how to reconcile those things before we die. Um, right? There's certain things in our relationships and certain ways of behaving towards the uh, others that there's certain actions, there's certain speech that are always wrong, no matter what. There are objective standards uh, of right and wrong. And specific actions we perform and speech we say can be right or wrong. And I'm not talking just about <laughs> thoughts or temptations in our head, I'm talking about things actually said and actions actually taken. We should strive to think well of other people in our heads. Um, it's not helpful to go to the other, another person and say, you know what, I always used to think this about you. <laughs> and now, you know, I feel better but you feel, you feel bad. Like I had no idea. So you know, we're not talking about going to reconcile things that you used to think about people in your head and now you're going to them and say, I always used to think. <laughs> But on the, on the other side of this, for example, I say something inappropriate to someone. It's now my responsibility to go to that person and reconcile with them. Um, I know myself and in our culture, in my family, we tend to rationalize our words and our actions. You know, come home from work and I can blame the day at work or the situations that I'm encountering there can blame my parents, you know, my dad always did this and that's why I'm this way. That might be true, but it doesn't like, take away all your culpability for your action. Or we defend our behavior. I'm good at this, I'm a defender of my behavior. This, you know, here's why I said that. I know you're hurting. But I think the Lord really wants us to cut through the crap, right? The I was tired, I was hungry, I didn't sleep well. You know, I'm not a good morning person or I'm not a good night person. My mom didn't love me. (laughs) Cut through all of that and take responsibility for what we said, what we've done, and make it right. (laughs) This is is our call, (laughs) this is really practical. Three types of wrongdoing, intentional wrongdoing. I am going to say something unkind to this person. Oh, you ever done that? If you hit me, I, I will hit back hard. The deeper relationship we're in, that's just me. I get hurt, I hurt back. I get to see it in my children. Not everybody's built that way. Some people go in and turn it
1: off.
0: I don't. So intentional wrongdoing. Unintentional. I did not intend it to do this, but I did it. You know what I mean? I just, I flew off the handle. I shouldn't have. It wasn't like I was thinking about it, and I, this is really what I wanted to do and say. But I did it. I wasn't motivated and premeditated to do something wrong, but nevertheless I did it. Still wrong. And I still did it. And lastly, there's uh, perceived wrongdoing. This can be a big area. Like, we can get hurt by somebody, even though they didn't do anything wrong, it's how we perceived it. Or we can hurt somebody, and it's, they think that there's a intention. I had an incident with my wife, because I was doing this drinking thing. I don't even remember what it was about, but she thought I was accusing her of drinking too much. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing that at all, she was really hurt. And I wasn't doing that at all, I was saying, I can't even remember what it was. I was saying something completely different, but she perceived. So we had to reconcile that. That's a lucky one because I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's easy, right? It's, it can So it, it, it depends, but it's easy to reconcile if you get to that truth. Um, if, some, if, if someone perceives something that you did or something you said, and as, as wrong or they were hurt by it, it's probably best to humble ourselves and just apologize and get the relationship back in right order. I'm sorry, I did not mean to do that. Uh, so the goal here for us is to be eager to repent, eager to reconcile, and not so eager to defend, to get our relationships back in right order. Second, what should I do when I'm wrong? Just go quickly here. Three things. First, be honest. Don't justify, acknowledge it. It was wrong. It's contrary to God's way. It's contrary to God's plan, and, and take responsibility for it in your heart. Second, repent turn away from what you did, turn back to God, resolve that I'm going to stop doing this. And I'm going to start doing this. In other words, I recognize this was wrong, and this is what I'm going to do to change. So be honest, repent. And in that repentance, making a firm amendment to change your behavior. Third, go to the person and Reconcile ask for forgiveness, say, here's what I did. I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? In our family, we really work on the please forgive me part. And we ask the other person to say, I forgive you. Here's what I did, please forgive me. Say, I forgive you. There's a tendency when you say, you know, here's what I did, please forgive me. Oh, it's okay. Well, actually, it's not okay. It's not okay. That's what we say, though, that's, that's how we talk. So I just encourage you guys really to get a, per- a person say, will you forgive me? And, I, and somebody asks you to forgive them, don't just say it's okay, but just say I forgive you. Just as a no, this should be a really normal part of our life, a really normal part of our family because there's, uh, there's hardly a day that goes by, at least in my family. The Worms says, you guys are probably in a better position than <laughs> that. I laugh too quick. No, you do laugh too quick. you okay, to spend some time with us. Um, this should be really a normal part of our life in a rather matter-of-fact way that we go about living in our families, and our, with our brothers and sisters. Um, okay, third, what do we do when we're the offending? Matthew 18 is a good place to start. Um, Uh, I'll just read from Matthew uh, 18. <clears throat> if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you, that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I think one of the things that we say when, when we're the affinity is, is this somebody that I'm, going to ha- that I'm in regular relationship with? Am I gonna have to deal with them regularly? One of the ways that we can deal with stuff is we just kind of let it go. But if we can't let it go, and we're gonna be in regular relationship with them, then we have to reconcile it. Maybe it's a real wrong, maybe it's just a perceived wrong, but we, we have to work to set these things right. Again, as I said, if we're in the wrong, we should really work to go to the other person. If the other person doesn't come to you, then this. So keep this in mind when you're going to reconcile with somebody else. This is someone that I know. They know me. I have spent life with them. Maybe I live with them. I'm keeping up with them. I'm going to somebody that I'm sharing life with, and hopefully that relationship is stronger and just, we're not gonna just throw it away. So the other person usually can respond well. This is someone I love and someone who loves me. And the goal is to restore the relationship. To gently set it back on the right. So neither of you sin and say, I was talking to Patrick today, but I have to do this a lot. Even my wife and I have to do this. When you said this, it hurt me. I'm sorry that I said that please forgive me to get it right. When we go to somebody, I think it's best to examine ourselves first. You know, like what's going on here? Have I taken an active interest in this relationship that I'm going to reconcile? Have I spent time with this person I, or not? Have I been a good example in my own life and how I reconcile relationships with them? Generally, if we take some the initiative and we go to somebody humbly and we're I mean we're humble about it, another person who's a Christian is going to respond well to it. Um, so I, I encourage us to do that, especially those some of you guys are living in household, we're living with other people, we have relationships with our families. Uh, these, are, these are committed relationships that we want to maintain good order in. And so if we've been um, deeply hurt, I know sometimes, you know, like in our, in our families that's more extended that we're not spending much, as much time with, sometimes we can get hurt, and the question is, how much effort and energy am I really putting in my relationship with my brother or my sister? I'm talking brother, real brother, real sister, my mom and my dad. Maybe what we, before we go to reconcile the relationship, we, we invest in that more. What if somebody doesn't respond well? I think, in that case, it's best to get somebody else involved. Um, Even in marriage, this can be really helpful. uh, To find another married couple, a good Christian counselor, to get their input and to help out. If what I did was really hurtful to somebody else, we might need to give the other person some space. I mean, they might forgive you, but then the feelings of that forgiveness aren't like. It takes a while, trust is really hurt and kind of build up, and um, we need to give the other person some space. Maybe come back and have a deeper conversation about it. So, just to kind of conclude here, we're we're gonna experience relational difficulties. This is not gonna be a surprise to us but we have a responsibility to work to reconcile and maintain good order of our, our relationships. And it might be difficult in some relationships, or for some of us it might not be all that difficult, but we're, we're gonna have conflict in those things and we, we wanna maintain unity with one another. <laughs> How else are we gonna have unity with the Protestants if we can't have unity with one another? <laughs> um, and so um, why don't we just break and take 10 minutes or so uh, in our in our groups and just talk about things that you've found helpful in reconciling relationships, things that you haven't found helpful, maybe some stories of how you've found about doing that. Why don't we just break up into groups of three or four, no more than four, uh, just right around where we're at. We'll take about 10-15 minutes to talk about it and then we'll head down to pray and to eat.